0: Welcome to Ten Talks. Liz is out today and so we have special guest Rachel Swan. Hi Rachel. Hey Stacy. Thanks for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. So we always start the podcast out with an individual check-in just to try to drop into our bodies and breathe and get grounded. And I'll start first and then I'll invite you to do a check-in. So today I'm feeling like there's a little bit of inversion maybe in the air. And I feel like a mental weight, but also I think it's just affecting my throat a little bit. Like I feel like I have to clear my throat more. And so that combination is making me feel a little bit nervous to podcast, but overall excited, just like, "Mm, okay, maybe my voice will sound weird. (laughs) I definitely feel like my voice
1: sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Yeah, well, I do think there's definitely inversion. I mostly just feel anxious and excited to be here.
0: Everybody gets nervous at first, but yeah.
1: Yeah, but I'm excited about what we have to talk about.
0: Yeah. So today's topic is about relationships and friendship. And the reason that I chose this topic today is because my auntie Elka reached out to me after I started the podcast. And we reconnected. And it was really interesting to see that my voice of sharing just ideas that I thought were just normal to me, that somehow it inspired Elka, and we were able to have this framework of conversation. And it got me thinking about relationships in general, and and how I've lost a lot of relationships in 2020. And so I brought Rachel on here today to talk about relationships because Rachel's one of my dearest friends. She's a fellow Taurus and it's fun to have a Taurus friend because we realize so many base things are in common and she's a poet. She's everybody's big sis (laughs) as the nurturing vibe. And so we just thought we'd talk about our friend's story and friendships in general and how we've been able to nourish relationships after 2020 because everything kind of felt really different. Yeah. So Stacy and I
1: had a lot of similar friends in common for a lot of years and then probably 2016 we started meeting for coffee Tuesdays and it originally was just the two of us and it was kind of a way to check in during the week to have these meaningful, sometimes an hour, sometimes it was like a whole (laughs) afternoon, where we could really dig into the things that were bothering us, the things that we were thinking about, the things that were heartbreaking to us, the things that we were just trying to sort through at like an individual level, but also on a national level. A lot of our friends got divorced during that time. We watched a lot of relationship dynamics shift and change as we watched what was happening. Like so much hate coming out of our communities towards women and women's bodies and the work that women do. And it was kind of a way for us to explore those wounds and heal those wounds. And
0: over time, Copy Tuesdays grew to quite a few women. We we didn't know what we started. It was a mini revolution in Provo, Utah. (laughs) Yeah. And all of us were experiencing the same thing, the same fears
1: about what it meant to be a woman in 2016, especially a lot of us had been married really young, we'd had babies. And a lot of those relationships were ending, those romantic relationships and ties that we had had, and we were renegotiating what we wanted in this world that felt really hostile to women's bodies and work experience and futures in a lot of ways. And especially in our community here in Utah, realizing how many people voted for Donald Trump, there was this huge realization that I came to the morning after the election, that was like, oh, my community hates nothing more than a woman in power.
0: Yeah, there was this like collective betrayal, it felt on my end of, hmm, I guess everybody just does hate women
1: yeah, our own mothers, our grandmothers, our aunts, our like our fathers, these people in our communities who taught us to be good and kind and honest and, you know, stand for these things, they were willing to betray those values just as long as a woman didn't end up in power. And I think that really broke a lot of trust that we had in these structures, including our own marriages and romantic, relationships. We no longer felt safe in our own families. And we were renegotiating what those
0: structures and relationships looked like. And Rachel, we talked about too, how it was radical to have friendships to have female friendships, because like my mom didn't have a group of friends that she would hang out with growing up. And so this idea that we were prioritizing a once a week, like no matter what, we're going to meet on Tuesday for coffee, and we're going to just talk and connect. And it felt, it felt transformative for so many people, including us, but just to prioritize friendships like our whole, I remember like people were just getting pushback from partners, like you're going out again, or you really need to meet with your friends. And it was like, yeah, I do.
1: My mother didn't have female friendships either in any kind of meaningful capacity. Like it was kind of women in the neighborhood or the ward, friends of circumstance, but not necessarily like these tight soul bonds or people who you had a lot of things in common with outside of like a faith community. And I even remember my mom being critical of women who would go on like, quote, unquote, girls trips, or who would invest in friendships and relationships outside of their marriages or outside of their extended family and how much I had internalized that and how that even showed up in my own marriage where there was pushback from my former partner about how much time and effort I'd been pouring into these relationships and nurturing them, even though they were incredibly important to me and have ended up now that that relationship has ended, like they have transcended any other relationship. They have become in a lot of ways my true love story. Like, and it feels radical to even say that, that female relationships are in a lot of ways like I'm no longer going to have, you know, I'm not going to hit those benchmarks of like a 20 year marriage, a 25 year marriage, a 30-year marriage, up to 50 years, 60 years. That's no longer in the cards for me. And there's a lot of grief in that. But then I look back to these relationships with women that I have nurtured, and I see how they will outlast probably every relationship that I'll have. My children will grow up and leave. My parents will die. But I'll still have these close-type bonds that I have created with women.
0: And for me, not having been married if I didn't have strong relationships and friendships, I wouldn't have a connection to the world. Like I've had to nurture friendships. And it's taught me the importance of friendships and the importance of nurturing a relationship. I remember watching this 30 Rock episode, where Tina Fey's character, Liz Lemon, she's like talking about how one of her fears is like, being alone and dead in her apartment because she choked on a nacho or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's a real fear. Because if you don't live with someone, if you're just, you know, a single person, like who are those relationships that check in on you every day? Or would it just be because your are like, body's rotting and someone smell and that's like a horrible thought to think of. But it's true. Like, unless you nourish relationships and have fulfilling friendships, like who's checking in on you. And it is our female friends who check in on us. And we've learned that through 2020, like when we're sick, when we need someone to pick us up groceries or do something, it's always like one of our female friends, like, would you mind? And in some ways, especially in cultures where we
1: typically like single women or women in general, like we're trained not to need help. And we're trained to power through and we're trained to handle it on our own. Yeah. And I do think that's something that we're watching shift in twenty, like post or I don't even know where we are in the pandemic anymore. I was hoping it was <laughs> the middle or post so I don't know. <laughs> Since I like am still, you know, wearing a mask. And everyone I know has COVID. So we're probably I don't know where we are. But anyway. Yeah, those things have shifted and changed because we're just so exhausted and we literally need help, whether those situations are that now you find yourself not married or you find yourself completely isolated from a community because everything is shut down and the world feels scary and hard and being around people isn't viable. And I think the burnout that we've all experienced comes from this training and this way of being in the world where we have to suck it up and we have to suffer through and we have to do it all on our own. And I do think all of us have reached that breaking point and, we realize that we cannot do it alone and we're not supposed to do it alone. And we're supposed to be able to ask for help when we hopefully will learn to do it before that breaking point. I also think a lot of grace has been made for friendships. Like I know personally, this is something that you and I have talked about a lot that like our circles of friendships have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And whether that is because, you know, it kind of felt like the world was ending and we found out a lot of people who, who we love are kind of weirdos. And- <laughs> <laughs> like, we love them, but like, we don't really trust them anymore to like mm-hmm. make good choices, you know, for the health of communities. Like, that's really hard to unsee. And in the same way, it just feels like this truth that's been exposed. So, like, those circles got smaller and smaller to people who we can trust and where like the output doesn't feel overwhelming or we can disappear for five days. Mm-hmm. And trust that on the other side that they'll understand, like that I still am, you know, I still love you and I still care about you. I just don't have a capacity to meet you in that same way that I normally could.
0: Yeah, I've noticed the grace increasing with myself. And then it just is so calming when other people meet me in that space of like just being patient and kind even though I haven't been able to reach out, even though I haven't extended myself. And I've noticed on a professional level with clients, my clientele is incredibly smaller. And in a weird way, a lot of my social life is my clients, even though they're, you know, it's people who I talk to. But because of the way that everything has gone recently, it's narrowed down who comes to see me and who doesn't, based on this unspoken, like shared value and respect. And all the other people that I was just seeing in excess when I was working so hard and so much, I don't see those people anymore. And even though if I you know, see them again, it'll be fine. It's just like that pool has gotten smaller. So my professional world has gotten smaller. My interpersonal world with my friendships has gotten smaller. And I think... That can be challenging and also rewarding because we're getting more intimate in our friendships. Well, I think we also are getting more out
1: of our friend, like they feel more meaningful because even sending funny memes via Instagram, or I find myself now calling friends who I can't necessarily see. Yeah, that was like an 80s and 90s thing. Yeah. I know <laughs> it's like I remember the phone calls. Like I remember like cradling my parents' like cordless phone <laughs> in my basement bedroom <laughs> waiting for someone to call or, you know, spending those hours talking all night long to somebody who you felt a connection with. And I find myself returning to those ways of communicating and connecting because especially after like the year of Zoom and I'm like so tired of having to like talk to myself and see my stupid face all the time, and my stupid voice, when really all I want to do, like I don't want to see my reflection in this, like I want to connect in this way. And so like having weekly phone calls with people, even if it's just like I'm driving home from carpool or I'm driving home from a work obligation or something, like I just... Call And it feels really, it feels so good to hear someone's voice in a way that like, I feel like other apps and social media, you don't get that same connection. And it's easy to see what people put on social media, as much as we know that it isn't like a true, like what we're seeing isn't the whole story, to be able to truly hear someone talk to you and hear their voice and have them share what their life is like and to have that reciprocation it doesn't feel like a
0: performance in the same way. Yeah, I think there's, I don't know, this added level of intimacy and like you're trying harder to listen and pay attention because it uses different parts of the brain to focus on a voice and tone and inflection and pauses. And and there's something very connecting about that, that you get distracted on a Marco Polo Which is just a one-sided conversation, but like a Zoom where you're kind of looking at yourself and making sure like that your underwear isn't showing because you're not wearing pants. (laughs) Like doing all the – you know, like making sure everything's okay. And so you you lose a level of intimacy – Just by the sheer fact that you're looking at your face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a former episode, Liz and I were talking about the concept of co-regulation and how people help regulate each other's nervous systems. And I think that's so true for particularly female relationships and how women have always helped keep other women safe and it seems kind of janky online to expose like men or or predators or people in the community but i think that's one way that women are keeping other women safe but when you get beyond like those extreme situations and just like mirroring back a friendship i think your friendships keep you safe and regulated in just your own normal way like sharing a poem or sharing a beautiful thought how do you feel co-regulated by your female relationships and what co-regulates you about your chosen people
1: i think for me i love the topic of co-regulation it's something that i think we're hearing a lot more now in you know our very specific kind of woo woo community <laughs> But it's something that I know firsthand as a mother. Like it's something that I've witnessed with kids who are kind of anxious. And as someone who is kind of anxious, I know what that feels like to, you know, like hold a crying baby and just to take deep breaths and to feel their body soften into mine. So I love the idea of taking that out further into my other relationships. I'm somebody who is very grounded by touch. It's something that helps me like feel at home in my body and something that helps me kind of find my place in the world. Co-regulation is something that I find really interesting and comforting as I think about bringing that outside of my own family and relationships with my children or outside of romantic relationships, because it's how We find our place in the world. It's where we figure out where we belong. It's where we feel safe and who we can trust, which I think goes back to what we were talking about with relationships shifting and changing during the pandemic and finding people whose values align with ours. And there is something about finding your people that helps regulate like these choices that I'm making. I'm not crazy or I'm not alone or I'm not overreacting when You have so much noise around you constantly telling you like, oh, you don't have to wear a mask. You do have to wear a mask. You like Vaccines are bad. Vaccines are like so much noise where you find what you value and what's important to you. Over time, those relationships, well, I wouldn't even say over time, it happened pretty quickly. Like these relationships with people who we do love and admire and value, we had to really whittle down to where do we feel safe? Where can we ask for help? Where can we be our true selves, where can we fall apart and still be loved? Like if we don't have these expectations where we have to show up perfectly every day mm. for these people in our lives, like it's enough just that we made it through the week. It's enough that we sent that ridiculous Instagram meme and that was it. Or just like, Hey, how are you? I'm good. Okay.
0: Yeah. Just a quick check in.
1: Yeah. But it's still like that touch of like, you're not alone. I still see you. I still know you love me and that you care for me, which I think you and I share this where we really value the relationships that we have and we take our friendships really, really seriously. And so, not being able to show up for people in the way that we did, where I mean, you and I have talked about how it's probably more of a trauma response than like, <laughs> i like, this is how I guarantee that these people love me is by caretaking them. And, you know, really, in a lot of ways, overperforming. All of that's gone now for these new core friendships, I think.
0: Yeah, we're not focused on overperforming and caretaking because we don't have the bandwidth and capacity. And so it really has... Whittled away, or or shown a light on our true friendships and how to know if they're real because we feel the reciprocity and we feel like just being ourselves is enough without any performative masks. Yeah,
1: and it yeah. Fe- it makes those relationships though smaller than what they were before are deeper than they were before, and I think that's like a really beautiful byproduct, like even though we had to let go of other relationships that were maybe, you know, like really fun or exciting or, you know, like I can think of so many women who I really admire, but I wasn't able to get that safety or that consistency or the grace that I needed because I couldn't perform in the same way or show up in the same way. And I do mourn those. Like I still consider those women dear friends. Yeah. But it feels like I now know where I put my energy and where I put that care and love. And there's a lot of freedom in that too, in those deep, deep roots with those people that you check in with when things were really, really dark, when you hadn't seen each other in over a year, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the circle of influence, you know, those spheres, how the center circle is like yourself. No, I I've, flunked I've really. out of seven habits of highly oh. effective people. And so <laughs> come on, come on. Ah. I can't believe you're talking about this. Okay. No, but no, but I agree. I agree. We had to create boundaries. And we had to learn like who really had our back. And we're not gonna give as much energy and attention to people that don't also have our back in that way. And so yeah, I mean, I go back to that because my mind is visual. I go back to those circles of influence because the people who are in my closest rings are the people who I co-regulate and who are my dear friendships that I nurtured. You know, I'm thanking myself five years ago or 10 years ago when I was really showing up for friends and building relationships, even when it seemed hard because I, I needed them in the last couple of years. I needed my people.
1: Yeah, and I think back to the women who consistently came to Coffee Tuesday and how so many of us have remained in close contact, because I think that sorting out those deep, hard lessons that we were going through and kind of the horror of what was unfolding in our country and for us personally, I mean, we walked a lot of women through terrible divorces. And we walked through stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Like it was, it was a lot. I mean, it feels Mm a hundred years ago, but I do feel like those are the women who I'm still reaching out to. Those are the women who I feel safe with because we had created a space where it was okay to completely fall apart. It was okay to come and say, my marriage is over. I don't know, like I'm losing my house. I'm, lo- you know, my whole life is going to be different on the other side of this. There's no longer this facade of, you know, everything's going okay. It's going to be okay. And I think those were the first glimpses of what was to come and what we would need. Yeah. And I do think that's where we ultimately learned that the choices that we make. Influence other people, whether we like it or not. And it can be for good and it can be for bad, but that we need each other. And honestly, even like the darkest times of the pandemic, we couldn't have gotten through it without these tiny lights and these tiny, you know, messages. Like it almost feels like messages in the dark, like showing up on like my Instagram DMs or something. Like, (laughs) you know, there's not a way through unless it's together. And, We've seen over the last few years the really dark and ugly side of that and the division that comes from people who don't believe that. They believe that, you know, like my personal choices and my autonomy and my freedom, that has to come at a cost of everyone else.
0: On the backs of everyone Everyone
1: else. else. But we're seeing it play out. That isn't true. Every choice that we make benefits or affects the lives of other people and it reminds me of this Terry Tempest Williams excerpt from an essay that she wrote called Erosion and she's talking about going on a river rafting trip and how she almost falls out of the raft and it's like incredibly like rough waters so what happens is they grab her and they pull her back in but there's that moment of fear where like you're kind of looking at your mortality in the face and honestly You're in it alone, or it feels that way. And she says, I think back to that moment on the river often, reflecting on how important community is to our survival and the amount of work it takes to support each other and what we lose if we don't. I think about the people who would have grabbed my arms or held onto my ankles if I had wanted simply to surrender to the rapids. My friends wouldn't have let me. They would remind me where I belonged, back in the boat, floating downriver. To belong to a place and a group of people saves our lives. Without that, we lose sight of this precious gift called life. Hmm. And even in my darkest times, which probably have only happened in the last six weeks, which <laughs> sounds like completely unhinged to say, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I felt incredibly alone. Because the truth is, is like a lot of the stuff that I'm walking through I do have to experience alone. Nobody else can, you know, untangle a 15 year marriage. No one else is parenting brokenhearted children at this time. Like that is all on me. But at the same time, there's this comfort in knowing the people who love me and the people who I have cultivated these relationships with over the last few years, they're not going to let me drown. You know, they're not going to let me go over the boat, even if I completely surrender, To the darkness, they're not. You're not. I won't.
0: I will (laughs) (laughs) not You'll hold on to
1: my ankles, and you'll pull me back in, and we'll make it work. Like, even though the journey itself, I still have to take alone, the internal journey, and I have to walk through it, there is that safety net of knowing, like, I won't fail completely. Yeah. And it's really beautiful.
0: It is really beautiful. Well... Thank you for joining us today, Rachel, and thank you everyone for listening and Kimmy for sound production. This has been a wonderful episode and thanks for joining. Thanks, Stacey.